0: Matt and with me as always is my co-host Lorna. Hello. And Innes isn't here today. Oh, it sounded like I was gonna say Innis and then he was gonna say hello.
1: Yeah, I'll do it. Hello. Oh that does sound
0: like Innes. Thank you. Um but Innes isn't here today. Uh I, I was thinking earlier that I had this basically earlier in the shower. That this isn't really that relevant. I'll get on to what this podcast is about in a minute. But earlier in the shower i was thinking about a story that i thought about last week in the shower which was trying to explain i had a, a good analogy about our metaphor about Innis and how he's so unreliable and it involved i think it involved tortoises and i think it involved a banana but i'm not sure whether it did or whether i'm just i've been thinking a lot about tortoises recently and Why? eating a few bananas <laughs> Um,
1: Wait. So this morning, did you remember so, this analogy? No.
0: So this morning, I remembered that, that I you'd had, had I thoughts. had a I had a thought about a good metaphor about Innis and a tortoise, but it's left my mind since then.
1: <laughs> Sounds so, very weird. But basically, so basically,
0: yeah, I haven't. I don't know what that is. But Innes he's, isn't it? It's
1: <laughs> just a busy boy. He's very busy.
0: I'm sure there's a good metaphor about tortoise tortoises and somewhere
1: yeah if it comes back to you you can always I'll mention yeah, it I'll mention next it at some time
0: point. anyway that was a waste of my time um <laughs> waste of all our times <laughs> he's yeah he's a he's a busy boy and he uh you would have noticed about five episodes ago um he
1: keeps missing mine
0: that yeah he's not a fan of yours i know or yours i do like <laughs> um he was away wasn't he for one and that's because he was moving house so he lives uh a bit further away um from the studio room, the fancy Yay. studio room, which we're not in now. We're in a fancy living room on the floor.
1: We're cosy, though. We've got a blanket. We've yeah. made like a little den.
0: Yeah. So, if you haven't listened to um, Idiots Talk History before, this is a podcast where one of us does a report on a hidden moment or event or person from history. You're smiling <laughs>
1: That's smart. I was just thinking that we should have wrote
0: down Dan's description. Yeah, I was just I was just gonna say that Dan, if you want to know exactly what it is, Dan did a really good description of it last week. That was a special guest Dan on last week's um, Denmark in World War Two episode. So basically, that is that's what's going on. And this week, you're going to do a report on something. Yeah, you do not sound too oh no too happy about that. But no, I'm just a bit disappointed. We went from four people to two people. I know. Next week I'll be doing this on my own. (laughs) No. That would be
1: really boring. Also, Mm. you're the worst one. Like, I don't think anyone.
0: That's not confirmed. (laughs) I don't think people think that.
1: I think if anybody wanted (sighs) anyone on their own, it wouldn't be you, Matt.
0: Right. Well.
1: So moving on. (laughs) Yeah, that
0: was a bit brutal. Um, But you you begin.
1: Yeah, I didn't mean that. I was joking. Okay. Banter. Um, So, it's my turn to do a report. And I've done a report on Lawrence Edward Grace Oates. Have you heard of him? No. Not at all?
0: Not at all.
1: Oh, this will be fun. So,
0: you did ask me previously. You, I know, you I have to me. check though because. That time you did Burke and Hair, we all knew what it was.
1: Yeah. There's been a couple of times when I've done things that are really well known, so um, I just have to double check now. Mm-hmm. But I don't like, you're not like this great source of. like You You are very knowledgeable. Oh, thank but, you. Um, I you can leave like, it at that. That's fine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I feel like I should check with more people. But anyway.
0: We do do um, more. Uh, well-known characters or moments sometimes but generally we try and
1: yeah we try i try sometimes it's really difficult and also i just don't know if it's like i don't know if like people in like a different country will have heard loads about them but this guy's from britain so i'm fairly sure that if we haven't heard of him (laughs) other countries might not have as well so it's about Lawrence oates and he was a symbol of gallantry heroism and he was a national icon Mm. Um, but he remains an enigma he's very mysterious and he's largely unknown so he was born in 1880 in Putney in London and his dad was called William and his mum was called Caroline.
0: What was he called? Lawrence. Lawrence.
1: Lawrence Oates. Okay. Um, and his family were really wealthy so they had land at Jestinthorpe Essex and they'd had this land for centuries Just alright for them innit?
0: Landed gentry is that what you just said, or did I just imagine those words?
1: I didn't say that. Okay. Um, And he had a really famous uncle called Frank, and he was a naturalist, and he was um an African explorer. Ah, Frank what? Oates.
0: Oates. Yeah. I don't know him.
1: <laughs> Frank Oates. I okay. haven't heard of him either, but apparently he's really famous. Um, And then he also had a sister who was one year older... And she went on to marry Frederick Ranelow, and he was an Irish baritone and actor, so I think he was a bit famous as well, but is, I don't know. He's
0: baritone and opera singer. I would imagine that.
1: I think it's some form of singer, I'm not okay. quite sure.
0: So everyone's pretty doing alright for themselves, so Lauren's had a lot to live up to.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I don't know where this story's going.
1: I don't think you'd guess it off the start. No. Go into cold places. Oh. Um. So he was born in this sizzle sizzle. his <laughs> would hate you. Yeah, it's fine. Um. He was born into a moneyed family, but um. He's said to have had a self-effacing demeanour.
0: So he's he's a bit modest.
1: Mhm. And yeah. it made him really popular. Um. He lived in Putney and he attended a school close by, and then he was further educated at Eton College. But um. He had fancy boy. I oh, know. But then he had ill health, so he left within the first two years. And then he went on to attend an army crammer school. Crammer's in quotation marks. Crammer. crammer. So I'm not sure what that means.
0: Um, the closest they ever get to Eton is Eton Mess.
1: <laughs> I've got a friend who went to Eton. Oh, really? Oh, I know a couple of people who went to Eton. claim to heck.
0: fame in it. What, that someone went to a school?
1: <laughs> well, yeah.
0: A famous school.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They might have known someone who went there. Who's famous? I'm trying to think of anyone who's like our age. Who's
0: famous? Who went to Eton.
1: My mind's going to like David Cameron, but he's Cara a bit old.
0: Delevingne? Did you go to Eton?
1: Eton's boys' school. Oh,
0: so no. No. What about <laughs> Eton's girls' school?
1: It's not. There's not an Eton's girls' school. They call that. I think one's called Saint Mary's. Oh. Um. And then there's another one. But there's Saint Mary's is down south. There's
0: a lot of Saint Mary's about. Though. There's one round the corner. It's not impressive.
1: Well, that like primary school is definitely no Eton. <laughs> so anyway he went to this army grammar school yes. in 1896 his father died of typhoid fever in madeira That's just a little fact madeira for you.
0: cake <laughs> <Stop. Manor off. laughs>
1: it's not to do with food um and then
0: madeira is a uh, portuguese island isn't it yeah i think so yeah my granddad just... went there he went he's quite old my granddad but he they do this thing in madeira i'm pretty sure okay. it's madeira I think that's a Portuguese island.
1: I think it might be Spain.
0: Oh, maybe it's Spanish. Island?
1: Where know. did
0: Cristiano Ronaldo come from? As in, where was he born?
1: Portugal. Yeah,
0: but I think he was born on the island of Madeira. <laughs> maybe. Are you going to find out? We'll find out. <laughs> One second. I have a good story about my granddad, though. It's it not Madeira. What's on Madeira. Um, Portugal. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Wait, pretty... go up to the map. Yeah, there's a Ronaldo Museum. Yeah.
1: There. Mm, you're right.
0: Yeah, so um, I was right. Um, my granddad went there he. Uh, they have this thing on the streets. It's quite hilly, I think. And they have these, like, carts, like homemade carts, where the these people who own them. So. Sort of, but basically you can pay and they'll drive. So you'll sit in the back and someone will sit in the front of this car and you'll just go down this hill. There's no, like, brakes or anything. You so it? my grand went in this car <laughs> and then they pull you back up. You sit in this car and they pull you back up. The, oh, like, my God. pull you back up the hill.
1: I was I like, I can just imagine your granddad's up there. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's just it's so funny. <laughs> it oh, just went it like sounds frightening. Riding. It does as well. Anyway, that's, so anyway not... that's where his dad died. But his dad... <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> his dad died,
1: I'll Yeah, but that's not really relevant. I just threw that in just in case.
0: Just curveball.
1: Yeah, just I was a bit concerned I wouldn't have enough to write, but then I went on to write quite a bit, so.
0: I'm looking for forward to more food. We've had um Mess. I think
1: you Is it eaten Mess
0: shortbread? Cake, no, it's like meringue. Meringue. Um, and like berries. The closest, to, be, to be fair, I said the closest I ever got to it is eaten Mess. Closest I ever got to it is eaten Mess. Crunch corny yogurts. Ooh. <laughs> so it's not even proper eating mess. I had eaten I'm mess I'm a couple of steps away from at it.
1: At Grad ball, And my friend didn't eat hers, so I ate it as well. I had two wow. eating messes. Wow. It was good. That I don't even like eating mess that much. That is much an I would just. Me- I bet
0: you made an eating mess. <laughs> Thanks for laughing. You, you made an eating mess
1: and joke. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: we've had to eat a mess Madeira okay, cake. Yeah, carry you're on. not going to get But any his dad involved. died of Typhoid. So. Right. 1896? Yeah.
1: Interesting. And then, so he was born in 1880, and then in when he was 18, he started his military career. He was commissioned to the 3rd Militia Battalion of the West Yorkshire Regiment.
0: Yorkshire Pudding Regiment? <laughs> Stop it.
1: He was <laughs> unable to pass the necessary exams to join the army and instead joined a militia regiment. Oh. Militia he sure sounds...
0: Like, um, I think it sounds ominous, yeah. It does, like, uh, unrestricted or, yeah, a bit, a bit dodge.
1: Well, I think this is just Dodgy. like the B version of the army, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He went to, army.
0: Yeah. School, went to grammar school, not grammar school, he went to school. He's just a B Tech, isn't he? <laughs> it was, yeah, that's very, br- I don't think he has that in other countries,
1: yeah. So Beetle—it's it, really hard to explain. I'd I'd Google it.
0: Yeah, just go, yeah, but it's it's not gonna explain. It's it, like
1: not it. academic, it's vocational.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: So he was in this militia regiment and then he was transferred to the sixth Innis killing dragoons as a second lieutenant in May nineteen hundred, so when he's twenty, and he took part in the second Boer war. Oh
0: yeah.
1: Um and this was an attachment to the British Army, so he was delighted.
0: Innes would love the Boer War.
1: I know. Oh, I forgot we
0: mentioned that last week. We we actually had to cut a lot out because Dan and Ines got a bit bit infatuated (laughs) with Boar Wars being some spin-off of popular British TV show, um, Robot Wars. Um, And, yeah, they just talked for ages, so I cut it all out. (laughs) But there was a reason. It wasn't um, unfunny. It was just uh, we were doing something
1: else. Yeah, and I think other... Other people wouldn't find it that funny. Like, I've not seen <laughs> Robot Wars, so I
0: didn't know what they were going on about. Me and one went watching a live Robot Wars um, show.
1: It's because you nerds.
0: I don't know why, actually, but uh, he has a, his favourite picture of me, which is weird that it's a favourite picture of me. He posted it on my Facebook wall. Um, I really If anyone's see a you. Facebook friend with me, look about two years back, and he's posted a picture of uh, me me eating... um like... He posted on my wall and he said, the little comment was, um, Matt, happy birthday, Is your two favourite things, robots and eating chocolate, because obviously just eating chocolate on this picture. I really want to see this picture. I, just for the record, they're not my two favourite things, robots no, is definitely not up there. My
1: favourite thing's definitely me, and <laughs> um, um, what else, yeah, cereal. <laughs> That's your favorite thing.
0: God, you and a religionist. Cheers. Come on, oh, yeah, if you had to pick your two
1: favorite things. What are they?
0: Um, probably my family and my friends. Oh, alright, <laughs> <laughs> carry on. Such a melt. <laughs> um, Cheese melt. Um,
1: oh God. So, <laughs> he was in the. He's twenty, and he was in the army because oh, he got yeah. transferred to the dragoons.
0: Okay, good name.
1: And then in March nineteen oh one, his leg was shattered due to a gunshot wound. Um, within the skirmish, he was called on to surrender twice, but he refused and replied, we came to fight, not to surrender. Um, his leg went on to heal, but his left leg um, was one inch shorter than his right leg, and he had a limp.
0: Oh, so...
1: But because of this, where he refused to surrender and he survived, he was recommended for the Victoria Cross, and this raised his profile in the public.
0: Yeah, it's a big, uh, a big award, isn't it, a Victoria Cross? So... Do you think he said that knowing that he was going to get... Because that's like... It sounds like something you'd write in like a film or a book or... It's a very quotable quote, isn't it?
1: It's interesting that you've said that. Very that, It seems like
0: something you'd be like, oh, I really want this to become like...
1: I don't think he was like um,
0: that. You know, like Churchill when he was like, never surrender whatever he said. You know that speech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the one. <laughs> yeah. Um, um,
1: no, I don't think he was really like that. I okay. think he, this he was just like... A person who is very quotable, which you will find out later on.
0: That's exciting.
1: So he was promoted to lieutenant on the 8th of February 1902 and he returned to England from Cape Town as peace had been signed with South Africa the previous month.
0: Ooh, South Africa. In
1: 1906, um, he was promoted to captain and he served in Ireland, Egypt and India. And despite his injury, he continued to explore his hobbies of hunting, racing and boxing. He was often referred to as Titus Oates, and um, he was an English perjurer who fabricated the Popish Plot, a supposed Catholic conspiracy to king to kill King Charles II in the seventeenth century.
0: Can you explain some of those words? Nope. Um. King Charles II. That's uh, relating to next week's podcast. <gasps> Seriously? Yeah, that's Very exciting. Bit of a link.
1: So it was just someone who was a perjurer. And but wanted a to perjurer? Eat. I thought a perjurer was someone who, like, kills. They're going on a purge.
0: Mmm. But it's this differently. For...
1: Yeah, because you keep reading my paper.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Inten- oh, a perjury is the intentional act of swearing a false oath or falsifying an affirmation to tell the truth.
1: That doesn't link. So? Well, basically, just was involved in a conspiracy to kill the king.
0: Yeah, yeah, so that's why it's like a false... Yeah. False, uh...
1: And then, because of this, Lawrence was referred to as Titus Oates for some reason.
0: Oh, yeah, that doesn't link at all. Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) Why were they like, you're similar to this guy who wanted to kill the king this one time?
1: I think it's just because he was like this...
0: You should have looked that up more.
1: I know, but I didn't. (laughs) But what I think is that he was like this person who would um, go after what he wanted. I don't know what I'm saying here. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. He applied to join Captain Robert Falcon Scott's expedition to the South Pole in 1910. Yes. Have you heard about this?
0: Captain Scott. Yeah, I know. Uh, he, went, he went to South Pole in 1910.
1: It's yeah. famous, isn't
0: it, Captain Scott? Yeah,
1: he's very famous. Oh, is Why this a famous? different Scott? Yeah. Oh, I'm
0: thinking of a different Scott.
1: He is very famous. Why?
0: Was but- he not the first person to reach the? Um, <laughs> South Pole, the middle What's the middle bit?
1: No. The pole. The pole. <laughs> no. Was it not?
0: No, but I'll get Did on you, to no. that. No. Did he finish second in the race with Norwegians? Yes. Yeah, it's that guy. Okay, yeah.
1: So, yeah. Uh, Oates was accepted mainly onto this expedition mainly on the strength of his experience with horses, and to a lesser extent his ability to make a financial contribution of one thousand pounds towards the ex- expedition. I couldn't find out how much this is, but in two thousand eight, this was the equivalent of fifty thousand pound. Big money. So 10 years ago it was £50,000, so it's going to be even more now. He raised these funds and then he had to tell his mother who controlled the family estate and he had to make sure he had the necessary permissions from the war office.
0: I don't know why they needed horses. Don't they normally use snow dogs?
1: Mm. Mm. I like (laughs) that noise. So he signed up to be a midshipman on the Terra Nova and that's what the ship was called. Um, that was taking the men to the pole, the South Pole. South And And oh. um, he was given the nickname of the soldier by the other expedition members and he was eventually selected by Scott as one of the five-man party who would travel the final distance to the pole.
0: That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Also, so those those people aren't very inventive because he's soldier. a soldier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: But so was Captain Scott because that's why he's called Captain, is it not?
0: I don't know. Because Lawrence oh. Oates is
1: also called Captain Oates. Oh, that was sounds
0: like, like a cereal.
1: <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> uh, <Sorry>. he, was, <laughs> he was accepted for the role of looking after the 19 ponies that Scott intended to oh. use for the sledge hauling during the initial food depot laying stage on the first half of the trip to the South Pole. So basically, they used the horses to drag the sledge, which contained the food, and then they'd leave the food at certain points for the journey up. For the journey back down.
0: So they were going the same way there and the same way back? Yeah. Yeah.
1: But Oates was not sent to Siberia to select the ponies um, for the expedition, and this, even though it was his area of expertise, and this led to some disagreements. He is reported to have clashed with Captain Scott many times over the issues of the management of the expedition. He was horrified at the ponies which Scott brought onto the expedition as they were too old for the job. And he complained about Scott's ignorance for, towards the animals. So basically, Scott just bought them because they were £5 pounds and cheap rather that than being appropriate. And he also wrote in his diary, Myself, I dislike Scott intensely and would chuck the whole thing if it were not that we are a British expedition. Scott <laughs> is not straight, it is himself first, the rest nowhere. But it's also been suggested that his harsh words were a product of the hard conditions rather than being genuine. Yeah,
0: when you're suffering, you're not going to be... Too,
1: yeah, and uh, I think he, he was used to like the army, which is very regimented, and then he's just got Scott like, oh, I'll just buy these 19 horses.
0: Well, I don't understand Scott's thinking be- behind hiring this guy for his horse expertise and then being like, actually, I'm not going to take him to Siberia to buy the horses.
1: Yeah, I don't understand. I think it was more he wanted to hire him to look after the horses on the journey. Right.
0: I'm on team oats. <laughs> Um,
1: in return, Scott called Lawrence Oates a cheery old pessimist. He thought that he had a characteristic of taking a gloomy view of everything and he also wrote to Oates' mother and explained that her son had played an integral role in the team in caring for the ponies and the team depended on him. Which is nice. It's weird
0: that you ride to someone else's mum. <laughs>
1: mm, yeah, but it's only like... I'm trying to think of an example. Every mm. now and then I'll text your mum.
0: <laughs> yeah, suppose. But you don't <laughs> say matt's really good <laughs> yeah you no, don't call like, me a cheery old pessimist
1: no i think he wrote that in his diary oh okay and then in his letter he was like oaks is really good we'd, we'd really be good. lost without oh him. that's cute so it's thought that scott and Oates had mutual respect for one another but captain scott had sought sponsorship and publicity for the expedition and this was at least before norwegian rolled out Amundsen decided he would also compete for the crown of being the first one to conquer the south pole Mm -hmm. so before the race he wanted sponsorship and publicity but this was another area of contention oates complained and he had a distaste for showmanship he wrote to his mother saying i must say we have made far too much noise about ourselves all the photographing cheering and steaming through the fleet etc etc is rot and if we fail it will only make us look more foolish
0: He's not wrong, but they also needed the money to, to get there. I'm on, yeah, I think I'm that's... am on Team Scott. Oh, you're changing your been. mind. I'm like Italy. Yeah. I've always been on Team Scott.
1: I would just be Switzerland, because I think they're both a bit right. Mm. But, despite the expeditions, the expedition... Ugh, what? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Let <just> cut that. <laughs> no, I'll leave on it. But, <laughs> despite the disagreements, the expedition went ahead with both men. But just prior, Oates had written to his mother with the prospect of returning home, but he said he did not want to spoil his chances of being on the final leg of the journey, as the regiment and perhaps the whole army would be pleased if he was at the pole. Mm. So, um, but on November the 1st, 1911, the 16 members of the expedition set off from Cape Evans Base Camp on the south, for the South Pole, and it was an 895-mile journey, which is a lot.
0: How many miles is it from um, Land's End to Scotland or the other way around? Is Land's End down in Devon? You're
1: asking the wrong person. How far is
0: it from the top of England to the bottom of England? More than that. Less than that? About that.
1: Mm, it's a good question. good question. If you know the answer,
0: <laughs> please tweet us at Idiot Pod.
1: Yeah, let us know. Um, So they set off, and on the journey it became apparent that the ponies were not fit for the job, as Oates had predicted. Classic. But at various predetermined latitude points on the journey, support members of the expedition were sent back in teams. So on the 4th of January 1912, only the five-man polar party remained to walk the last 167 miles to the pole. So they've walked, like, over 700 miles in two months. Is that good? I think so.
0: That's Mm, a lot. I'm trying to think of when we did Duke of Edinburgh.
1: Duke of Edinburgh, this is the South Pole, I don't think it compares. Oh,
0: it was cold sometimes Yeah, but we
1: didn't walk very far really.
0: I'm trying to think, but we did 4k an hour.
1: We do 16 16 minutes a mile. Right. You do 4 miles in an hour.
0: Right. Let's get the old calculator out, get my big calculator out. One second, it's in my pocket, there we go. What was it? 16, four miles. that's minutes.
1: No, it's essentially four miles an hour.
0: Right, four miles an hour.
1: You add on a minute for every 100 metres climb. Right, you just I'm, I'm you're good, making I'm I'm really. What we've learnt is that I was a DV e queen.
0: Well, I don't think they give you that, they just give you a little badge. Um, Rubbish. So it's 895, <laughs> divided it by four? No, someone do maths for me.
1: How many days is in? <laughs> no, no. Wait, minus one hundred and sixty-seven. Why? Because that's what they've got left. Okay. And then do. So they got they 720. want seven hundred
0: and twenty-eight in Divide two
1: Divide it months.
0: by sixty. Divide by sixty. That's every day. So they did twelve miles a day.
1: That is a lot.
0: No, it's not that. I much. think
1: that's a lot.
0: If we did four miles an hour. That's three hours walking.
1: Yeah, but this is in the snow. Yeah, no. The, so the so.
0: We'd have been able to do it a bit quicker.
1: A <laughs> we <laughs> um, did it in one month.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so they do, like... Yeah, it's in the snow, The are dragging stuff.
1: Yeah. But at this point, they've got horses, so maybe they're on the horses.
0: I'm really not that good at maths. No. i <laughs> glad I had this calculator, but I still didn't figure out what I wanted to figure out, but never mind.
1: So, on the 4th of January, there's only five of them left. These are Captain Scott... Edward A. Wilson, Henry R. Bowers, Edgar Evans and Captain Oates. And these five men reached the pole on the 18th of January 1912, which is 79 days after starting their journey. However, when they finally reached the pole, they found a tent that had been left by the Norwegian explorer, Amundsen, and his four-man team. They had beaten them in the race to be the first of the pole, There was a note inside the tent that was left informing them that his party had reached the South Pole on the 14th of December 1911, 35 days before Scott's party. I'd
0: have written earlier. You know what I mean? I bet they just rocked up on like the 10th of January. We beat them. We beat them back. uh, Put another month on there. (laughs) They won't know. No, I don't
1: think they were like that.
0: No, they're two good people.
1: But anyway, a sombre mood came over the party.
0: I get confused between all my different um explorers and adventurers and like what happened to all of them because i felt like one of them ended up oh you're right <laughs> one of them ended up like eating their own boots and stuff was that this one i <laughs> don't know anything that? about anybody eating their
1: own boots i
0: think that might have been something completely different but um know. if you want to know more about this topic um actually not really about this topic but uh, ben fogel i'm a big fan <laughs> And um, James Cracknell, they went and they took part in this race. It was like 100 years, I think. When was it? 1911?
1: Um, yeah, well, this, they got there in 1912. So
0: they did, a, in 2012, they did a 100-year race. So oh. all these different groups set out to do this race to the South Pole again. Um, and Ben Fogle, local, not local, national television superstar Ben Fogel and uh, Olympic rower James Cracknell, they got this guy called Ed I can't remember. I don't know who it is. And the three of them went, in, um, went into this race and they were all, like, all the other teams were, like, professional and then them explorers. And I think they came second behind the Norwegians that's again. That's cool. Yeah, so they got beaten by Norwegians again. Again. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But, spoilers, but there's a book kind a film. Not film. TV show. It's really good. Don't know what it's called. Look it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, so. Sorry. <laughs> Well, when they got beat by the Norwegians again, well, the first time, time. they were really sad. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But Oates um, commended Amundsen's team and said that the gear they left was in excellent condition and they seem to have had a comfortable trip with their dog teams compared to their own man-hauling. Which is why I thought it was interesting before that you talked about dogs. Well, yeah,
0: yeah. Dogs um, Mm -hmm. are what I traditionally think of.
1: Um, and I've got a map of the routes they took, so they took two different routes, so I can tweet that one. Oh, you yeah, can I have a little look. Yeah, sure. There you are. It's real small.
0: Yeah, also, none of the words I can make out. I can make out that of South Pole. You need to read
1: the words, you need to read out this.
0: Well, yeah, the routes. Okay, so the different routes. The one in green, this is for people. You'll put this on Twitter. Hmm. It seems like Scott went a little bit further. If you ask me,
1: maybe, but we don't know what the altitude of these, like, gy- yeah. what they climbed or whatever.
0: They both did a bit of a zigzag there. This is not very really interesting to listen to. <laughs> don't seem that far on a small picture like that.
1: Yeah, it was eight
0: hundred and ninety-five miles. Yeah, I suppose. Um, so anyway, one is doing something. So on the return journey, Scott's party's got, <laughs> you carry on. Oh, carry on.
1: Um,
0: progress. Nope. Progress was slowed. Yeah. You can go on. Uh,
1: this was due to extremely difficult conditions. There was exceptionally adverse weather, poor food supply and injuries sustained from falls and there was also the effects of scurvy and frostbite. Lawrence Oates had already been facing constant trouble as he had wet feet as they travelled towards the pole um, from the hardened ice. He's
0: going to get... Um, gang- Is it gangrene? Was it frostbite? If you just frostbite, said frostbite, yeah. yeah, I did say that. <laughs> well, listen.
1: Um, so he'd been having problems with his feet for two months, but he'd kept this from the others. But it was no longer possible to hide. And then, Edgar Evans died on the seventeenth of February, nineteen twelve, near the foot of the Beardmore Glacier. His companions suspected this was due to a blow to the head that he'd suffered during oh. a fall into a crevice a few days earlier. So that they're now one man down.
0: It's rough, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and the progress is slowed and everyone's a bit down. So, Lawrence Oates was suffering from severe frostbite on his feet, (laughs) and it had been speculated that his war wound had reopened due to the effects of scurvy. So, his war wound on his leg, but this hasn't been confirmed. Mm -hmm. He was weakening faster than the others, and parts of his feet had turned black, and his body was an unhealthy yellow colour. On the 5th of March, Scott wrote in his diary that Oates's feet were in a wretched condition, and the poor soldier is very nearly done. He also wrote, if we were all fit, I should have hopes of getting through. but the poor soldier has become a terrible hindrance, though he does his utmost and suffers much, I fear. So they're having
0: a bad time now. Yeah. Right? It was all fun and games until they lost. Well, I'm sure yeah. it was tough on the way, but...
1: I have wrote on my page in brackets, this is a bit sad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah,
0: maybe this is the story I was sadder. thinking of, actually. I think this might have been the story. And
1: um, so the party was falling behind schedule, and there was an average of 65 miles between the pre-laid food depots, and only a yeah. week's worth of food and fuel provided at each. And um, so they needed to maintain a march of over nine miles a day to have the full rations for the four, for the final 400 miles of their return journey, which was across the Ross Ice Shelf. What's that? Just an ice shelf. Oh really? I <laughs> put them
0: in the fridge. <laughs> <Freezer>. <laughs> Is it called Ross?
1: So, they had to walk nine miles a day, but obviously, the conditions yeah. are against oh, yeah. them. Yeah,
0: and they've been doing it for God knows how many days.
1: So, Lopati's progress had reduced to around three miles a day due to Oates' worsening conditions.
0: I feel like this was the time times well where everyone just smoked like a chimney as well.
1: Oh, potentially. Maybe
0: not there, but, like, they're not, they don't have the same fitness.
1: But he's in the army, so he will have. Yeah,
0: but even then, like, I feel like the it, fitness regimes today are much more... To prepare you, know, you for this. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. yeah. He's like he's prepared for the army, but he's not prepared for this. Oh, so this
0: like freezing temperatures.
1: So on March the fifteenth, Lawrence Oates told the party that he could not go on and proposed that they leave him in his sleeping bag, but they refused. Oates managed to walk a few more miles that day, but his condition worsened overnight. And then this is where I wrote this um, is a bit sad. Yeah. The expedition party were unsure of the date, but Scott reported in his diary that on the morning of either the sixteenth or the seventeenth of March Oates walked out of their tent into forty degrees Celsius, minus forty degrees Celsius. (laughs) Temperatures. It's boiling. And there was a blizzard, and he walked to his death. Scott wrote in his (laughs) diary every time. I knew
0: that was coming. To be fair, then, but it's
1: my mistake for not saying minus (laughs) forty. Scott wrote in his diary: "We knew that poor Oates was walking to his death, but um, though we tried to dissuade him, we knew it was the act of a brave man and an English gentleman." So he left the tent and he left his shoes behind because apparently it would have hurt too much for him to put his shoes on on his frostbite. Oh,
0: so we just freeze to death.
1: Mm-hmm. Scott, Wilson and Bowers continued onwards for a further 20 miles towards the one-ton food depot. Can't say that word. Depot.
0: depot.
1: Depot. That could save them, but they were halted by a fierce blizzard on the 20th of March. They died nine days later, trapped in their tent by the weather in two weak, cold and malnourished to continue. <sighs> They were 11 miles short of their objective oh. and their bodies were discovered by a search party on the 12th of November 1912. I think that's what I which heard, is actually. Which is months later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, s- yeah, I think that might be the one where they were so close to mm-hmm. getting there. Uh, yeah, like to get into the food. 11 miles is is nothing, is it? No. But obviously it is at that, for them, in well, that, that was condition. An
1: extra, at least two days yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. Lawrence Oates' body was never found, but near where he is presumed to have died, the search party erected a cairn and a cross saying, Hereabouts died a very gallant gentleman, Captain L.E.G. Oates of the Inniskilling Dragoons. In March 1912, returning from the Pole, he walked willingly to his death in a blizzard to try and save his comrades beset by hardships. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. According to Scott's diary, Oates' final words before exiting the tent were, "I'm just going outside and maybe sometime." Yeah, time. definitely that before. So these are the yeah. words that made him famous, which is before when he was like, "It's very quotable." Yeah. Well, there is famous words. Yeah. Um, on report of this event, our report of this event, sorry, stated that explorers knew the risks and that there would be no evacuation in cases of serious illness or injury, as team member. Apsley cherry garrard wrote in his account of the expedition there is no chance of a cushy wound if you break your leg on the birdmore glacier you must consider the most expedient way of committing suicide both for your own sake and that of your companions which
0: is it's tough isn't it it's the wilderness
1: i just don't know um, so he
0: was one of the guys who didn't go out then
1: yeah so, so th- he wasn't one of the final they arrived five at, but he was one of the expedition you know, they
0: arrived in antarctica Oh, it must be yeah so on the journey
1: um, to the South Pole yeah. like they, they used to send people back in teams so right, he'd have yeah. been one yeah, of them who got sent back um Oates has been reported as as an ordinary man who made extra, who was made extraordinary by the circumstances he faced at the end of his life in his mother's grief she ordered the destruction of the Diaries of Lawrence but her daughter transcribed many of the documents that they were not lost um which is quite good because that's accounts for today yeah. Um, Oates's mother's obsessive love of her son led her to be one of the first to raise uncomfortable questions about the official version of Scott's ill-fated expedition, which killed five men. Yeah. But obviously none of them returned to...
0: Oh, yeah, but I thought, for some reason, I thought Scott returned, but he also... No, no he died. They all died didn't there. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oates became a symbol of Britishness at a time when the country was under most pressure, and many people drew strength from his heroism. Um, many soldiers fighting in the First World War were shown pictures of Oates and his comrades as an example of how to die nobly, and he became the finest example of how Britons knew how to die. Um. So, well, I think that's really interesting that the soldiers on the front line and there.
0: Yeah, because I, I didn't really even realise it was about the same as it was kicking yeah, off yeah. Uh, a couple of years before the First World War.
1: Yep. Um, as he was involved in the famous race to the South Pole, Oates was... Been included in the media a number of times. So he's included in. I've just got some examples. Yeah, I've heard of the film. He was in the 1948 film Scott of the Antarctic, the book Scott and Amundsen, and the BBC mini dramatisation of the book called The Last Place on Earth. Mm. Um, a biography was written about him by Michael Smith and published in 2002 entitled I'm Just Going Outside. Captain Oates, Antarctic Tragedy. I think that's really misleading. I'm just going outside. Yeah.
0: Wow, what's this? <laughs> yeah. Is this a book about nature? Is it yeah. like a travel writing thing? <laughs> no, Sounds no. Nice. It's
1: about death. <laughs>
0: but then, no, and then it says Antarctic Tragedy. Yeah,
1: yeah, that bit explains but It's also it.
0: a bit of a spoiler. You'd be like, oh, he must die.
1: Yeah, but I think it's quite good in a way because I might think, oh.
0: Is this some Bill Bryson-esque yeah. <laughs> travel writing? Just going outside. Yeah. But it's not.
1: No, um, he's also been the basis of various fiction stories, books and plays, and his famous last words have been used or referenced often, including, um, by Terry Pratchett. Oh yeah. He referenced his, um, last words five times or three times, I think three.
0: In, in his books? Yeah, in, in two different Disc books. Discworld books, Terry Pratchett?
1: I don't know, is it?
0: He wrote The Hogfather. Who's the others. one who didn't want
1: anybody to have his... I think that was Terry Pratchett,
0: yeah. And he got it all destroyed by... Um, steamroller. Steamroller, yeah. Um,
1: anyway, in his memory, Oates' sleeping bag is displayed in a Cambridge museum. Um, the Oates... And the Oates Museum, a separate one, focuses on him and his uncle, so his uncle must be quite famous. Yeah. The Royal Dragoon Guards have a regimental day to remember Oates, and two of his medals are held by the Regimental Museum in York. Oh. In 1913, a brass memorial plaque was erected by his brother officers in the parish church of St Mary the Virgin in Jestinthorpe, Essex. His mother polished this weekly for the rest of her life. She she loved the song.
0: Oh, that, that sort of stuff always breaks my <laughs> heart. Like, at the people, heartstrings. People are like yeah. I always think of um. This is I don't know. It sounds disrespectful. I'm gonna say <laughs> it. Reminds me of Futurama. <laughs> right, right. I didn't know
1: where you were gonna go. Like.
0: Uh, oh, there's actually a thing in um. I'll say the Futurama thing first. Okay. But um. Fry the main character of Futurama. When he leaves, then a little dog waits for him. He Aww. goes, he goes forward into the future, and a little dog waits for him, um, and he waits like by like his house, or where he used to live like, until he died. So that's really sad. And um, in Edinburgh, I think I think there's like a cemetery where this. Um, Guy had this dog and he went like really close and then I realized the a oh mother and a dog gosh. isn't the same thing. No, a dog, a man's best friend. And then he died and the dog would go every day to his <gasps> grave and just like sit by his grave and his little statue I think of the dog maybe like just outside the cemetery that is weak, yeah. in Edinburgh. So yeah, those oh sorts yeah. of things pull at your heartstrings. Yeah. In
1: 1914, a memorial was placed to Oats in the. Cloister of the newly built school library, Eton College, and this was part of the Boer War memorial buildings. It was executed by Kathleen Scott, the widow of Captain Scott, mm. and a school in Leeds was named after him, the Lawrence Oates School. On and on the 100th hundred, uh, anniversary of his death, a blue plaque was unveiled in his honour at Meanwood Park.
0: Blue plaques are like the, um, what are they? <laughs> Is I don't it, know. The blue plaques that are put on buildings are for like certain people. They were like he was born here. Um,
1: Did they have them in York?
0: Yeah, I think they have one for. Um, on that pub. What's it? Who was it? It's
1: a very good question.
0: Um, you the, should know. The um, Guy Fawkes pub. Yes. In that York, happened. I think they have one because he was born there. Um, whenever that was, yeah. But um, he
1: wasn't born and oh I don't know where that... I should have looked into that. I don't know where Leeds came from.
0: Yeah, but... Mm, yeah, they, they put a school there. Yeah, that's weird. Um, no, that was a, a really good report. A really yeah. interesting report. Why did you... Do you have a big question? Or I've got a big question a big, for you. Oh, go on then. Um, I'll put in the theme song now. It's a bit of a different one. The big, big question. question. <laughs> Today's big question. Doodly do, 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 do. Um, so the big question, this is just a question for you that okay. I have. Why did you choose um, Titus Oates as opposed to Captain Scott or any of the other uh, three three other men who well, who died on this expedition? Or, you know, Amundsen from Norway? Or
1: Well, I thought that Scott and Amundsen were quite well known. Yeah. So I didn't actually start looking for this topic. Um, it was... I read it in a in the book, um, they mentioned someone else, so I looked into this guy, but I'm not going to tell his name in case I do about him in the future, but I did think he was too well-known. Okay. It's not, not not to do with these. Okay. And then I was like, oh, I'll look for like fa- like famous or voyagers or famous adventurers oh, yeah. and stuff. And I got a list of like 10, um, okay. and he was one of them. Oh. But I, ex- I looked at some of the others, but they were well-known, but I don't think there would have been enough information on the other ones involved in the expedition. mm
0: but why? But so why do you think then that this one, that, Oates has got more attention? Do you think it's because of like the way he died and yeah, it's stuff definitely like that?
1: yeah, because he's like the others. He became a hero. Yeah. Like the others were heroes, but not to the same level. Yeah, because he sacrificed himself for the good of the team. Mm, good. I don't have a big question for you. Though. No,
0: no, that's all right. Um, that is a a big question, really, isn't it? Would you take part in a, in a, adventures to the South Pole? If you were, if someone was like, Lorna, we're gonna pay for you. We've got all the equipment. We're gonna pay for you to join our team, but you'll have to do obviously all this training, um, and then it's gonna be three months of walking across Antarctica. Um, obviously, your life's in peril. Uh, you may die. You may not return. You may not return. You may not make it there.
1: I don't know. I think if that situation was to arise, I'd have to do a pros and cons list. Mm. That's how I like to make decisions every now and then. Um, and I was just thinking, it through right. I think if there was a chance that I could go ca- kayaking with whales and start you were gonna say that. for free because it costs a lot, it does, yeah. I would definitely put that on my my pros list. Mm. That would outweigh all the cons. It's not thing. what I offered you, but but. <laughs> Then I'd do the walk. Like yeah. you get a bit of recreation time, <laughs> or maybe I could do it as a treat at the end as well. Can I do it both Ooh, times.
0: You'd be too tired at the end for that.
1: Oh. The, my problem is right. I'm not that great at the cold. Yeah, me neither. I either. really want to go kayaking with whales, but I'm just not.
0: Just a bit nippy for you. Yeah,
1: and I always get cold hands and cold. Yeah. You always get cold hands. You'd be terrible.
0: Yeah. Um. No, but I I'm watching this TV show and being like, I'd I'd like to do that. But then at the same time, I saw just like the pain yeah, and of it's like just, sleeping in the cold.
1: Yeah, I, I'm one of them people as Weaning well where I gold. really struggle to get warm. Like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not a warm person. You don't get a shower. You don't no. get anything. Oh, 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 I didn't even think you just
0: got that. a smell. And I can't grow a beard, so I wouldn't even look good when I died in my tent. Like, they'd be like, <laughs> like oh, you'd be like that guy's scraggly beard. I can't even <laughs> focus on the fact that he's like dying or. Yeah, dead. and I
1: just think. My skin would just get really dry. <laughs> right. My nose would hurt.
0: Yeah, everything would really hurt. Your toes yeah. and finger, your toes and fingers would definitely be like, you'd have to fight off like frostbite. Yeah. Constantly, but you, at the end, if you make it, that's like what that's you'd what you'll be remembered. You'd have to go back if you didn't want it. No, but that's also like imagine the stories, like imagine yeah. the the feeling of accomplishment from getting there
1: I just think I'm too good to risk dying (laughs) you (laughs) do I'm
0: joking (laughs) Um.
1: (laughs) yeah I don't know I'd have to wait up if I could do my kayaking with whales.
0: I think I think I've got I think I've got to accept it
1: but you're going yeah
0: I think so no you're
1: not you'd be awful no I know I
0: don't know if I'd make it but I think I'd have to give it a go because yeah no I'd whinge 100% I'd whinge I think everyone would whinge but I think it's too good an opportunity to turn down. But also, how would you feel if then you did it and you finished second... To the Norwegians,
1: I would be fuming. Would I'd you be fuming? him down. No,
0: well, <laughs> I thought you go the other way. I thought you'd been like, I would have been very happy just to finish and just to be alive. No, no.
1: Right, I'm very interesting with when I get competitive. Yeah, like, I... Usually I'm alright and yeah. I'm like chilled, except when I go to aqua jogging, which is exercise in the water, there's this old man and he really cheats, and I'm really competitive with him because I just want to beat him because he's cheating. Yeah, so but the Norwegians didn't They're cheat. not cheating, but I think this is, this is, I'm. it's on the scale of aqua jogging. This is a big thing.
0: This is more, this is big. Than exactly
1: so this is why i would be feeling that they won mm. but at the same time i'd be like i'd be like oats i'd be like well done
0: oh is that what oats thought was yeah he...
1: he was like they had really good equipment yeah. and the dogs were right
0: and we've done we did our best and yeah i think that's what second he was place like. isn't too he bad
1: he screwed on didn't he mm.
0: no it's really good report thanks for that um if you'd like to get in contact if you want to check out the picture of um the two different routes that the norwegians well, was norwegians weren't it yep. and uh the british teams took in the uh race to the south pole in 1911 slash 12. lorna's going to put the um picture on our twitter which is at idiot history pod mm-hmm. you can follow us there we tweet the links out to the podcast obviously you're listening to it now so you found it anyway um sound <laughs> <I'm> so sad. <sorry. laughs> and but oh, just other stuff i i tweeted a book Dan, Dan sent me a couple of books, he went back to Denmark just after we recorded that last podcast, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, he sent me a couple of pictures of um, just some random books he had about the Churchill, what do you call Churchill boys, Churchill group, gang, club, club thanks, um, which uh, is a topic that we talked about in last week's episode, episode 22, um, so yeah, follow us on Twitter at Idiot History Pod, or... If you have any suggestions um for topics that you think we should cover you can you can tweet us or you can email us at um idiothistorypod at gmail.com um also tell a friend give us a nice review on uh itunes or or whatever podcast that you're listening to um yeah i think that's that's everything really
1: Yep, and let us know if you know what the distance is from... Oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> sure we could UK, have looked up a lot of other, other things
0: today. Um, so, next week we'll have a report from me. Um, Innis again, will not be available next week. So, if you're tuning in for Innis, don't tune in next week. But still tune in, because there's those two as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you've listened this long, so, you know, why not? Um, so, yeah, next week I'll do a report on something interesting hopefully to you guys so um thanks for listening and we will see you next week no speak to you next week bye